This is Tom Shrewsbury with Reflections for the Covenant Network. Do you ever wonder if your prayers are being heard? And perhaps even more importantly, will they be answered? I would guess that's a normal reaction. And the first thing that comes to my mind is what Sister Dorothy said when I was in the first grade. She said that all our prayers are being answered, but sometimes God just says no for our own good. But as we grow older and hopefully wiser, I think we can see what she was teaching us. Oh yes, prayers are important, and we know that God listens. But there's a second question that pops up, and that is, is what I'm asking for really good for me in the overall picture of what God has in mind for us? Or do we just talk to him when we want something? Well, Today, I want to tell you a story that may cast a little light on that subject as I tell you about the events of Our Lady of Port Maine. We're all pretty familiar with the events of Lourdes, Guadalupe, and Fatima, but there are a lot of others, perhaps not as well known, like Cabejo in Africa. And yes, one that we've talked about not too long ago near Green Bay, Wisconsin, where the Mother of God appeared to give us a push in the right direction. And all of these have been approved by the church after being given extreme scrutiny. I'd like to tell you the remarkable story about Our Lady of Port Maine, which ties these two topics, answered prayers and apparitions, together. Well, as they say in the theater, we have to set the stage. So let us turn the calendar back to the 17th of January in 1871 in the little village of Port Maine in France. Oh, this was a time of turmoil, a time of danger and unknown consequences. The country was at war with the Prussians, who were in control of perhaps two-thirds of the entire country of France. Paris was under siege, and fear was heavy in the air. German victories had exposed Brittany and Mayenne vulnerable to the advancing Prussian armies. There was little that could be done to protect these areas. The citizenry was, for the most part, untrained for battle, and even the defending forces were outnumbered and ill-prepared for the impending German onslaught. The battle plans were drawn, and the bullseye target was Brittany and Mayenne and situated right in the middle were the villages of Laval and Port Maine. Port Maine was really just a small village of perhaps 500 people, so that gives you just a glimpse of what it must have been like to live in those villages at that particular time, when their future was being threatened. In Port Maine, the village had been blessed with a holy priest who for 35 years had toiled with dedication so effective that one never heard the Lord's name taken in vain or anger. No one worked on Sunday, and children were raised with the respect for the church and for God. Perhaps because of the training they received from the three nuns who lived and taught the children in Port Maine, not only respect for the church— but for their parents as well. Well, that gives you a little glimpse of Port Maine. Now, in Port Maine, there was the Barbadetti family who lived in an old but rather nice house that dated back to the late 16th century with a large stuccoed barn. 
and as was the custom of the area, there were other houses built very close together with friendly neighbors. Well, the Barberettas had three children, the youngest, Joseph, who was ten, and was a rather frail child, but energetic and certainly a nice little boy, and twelve-year-old Eugene, who was a serious but also a good youngster. Both youngsters could be described as religious due to their parents as well as the three religious sisters in Port Maine. An older brother was away serving in the military. And since the war began and was now about to enter their doorsteps, the people of Port Maine were fervent in their prayers, not missing their morning offerings or praying the rosary, which they did daily since the beginning of the war. After attending the daily Mass, the children would join in public prayers for the older soldiers before leaving for school. Well, now on the 17th of January in 1871, it was a day like any other. Dusk had settled in early, and the two boys headed with their father for the barn, carrying lighted candles to make their task of feeding the horses easier. As they were working, one of the neighbor ladies, uh, Madame Jeanette de Tace, stopped by and was chatting with their father, and Eugene just happened to pass the open door and wander outside. And then it happened. His eyes widened in disbelief. Was he imagining this, or was it real? There, about twenty feet above the center of the roof, he saw a beautiful lady wearing a robe that was sprinkled with what looked like stars. Her shoes were the same color as her gown, with her hair and ears being covered with a black veil that also covered the top of her forehead. Her face was beautiful beyond belief, and a golden crown rested on her head with a little red line around the middle. He noted that the crown did not go straight up, but spread out like an upside-down cone, turning down around the sides. He was aware that her hands were at her side and spread out like the statue he had seen of the Immaculate Heart of Mary. Oh, I'm sure we all can visualize that statue. And then she looked directly at Eugene and smiled. At first he thought it might be an apparition telling him that his brother had been killed in action, but then he realized that if that were the case, she would not be smiling. Well, he may have spent ten or fifteen minutes standing there looking at her, and then Madame de Tace, who had been visiting her father, came out. Eugene pointed to where the lady was and asked Madame de Tain if she saw anything unusual. But looking toward where he was pointing, she said that she saw nothing at all. Well, Eugene's father and brother heard the conversation and wandered out to see what he was talking about. As the father looked blankly at the sky, Eugene asked Joseph if he saw anything. Joseph looked up, he blinked a bit, and then he said, I see a beautiful lady. Eugene immediately asked him to describe how she was dressed, and Joseph said, She's wearing a blue dress with golden stars on the dress, and blue slippers with golden buckles. Eugene asked, Look well and see if she has a crown. Joseph said, Indeed, I see a crown which spreads out and a little red thin line in the middle of the crown, and there's a black veil. 
Well, their father stood for a moment very puzzled and then explained that they didn't really see anything because if they had, well, he would have seen it too, and he saw nothing. He told them to get to work feeding the horses, and when they were finished, they would all have dinner. Well, as usual, the boys were obedient and started to finish their chores with the horses. In the meantime, their father told his neighbor lady not to tell anyone what had happened because people would probably laugh at them. She agreed and went on her way. The boys and their father were completely finishing their chores, and then something undoubtedly was bothering the father, and he told Eugene to go out and see if the lady he was talking about was still there. Eugene hurried to the door and glanced upward, and then said excitedly, Yes, it is still the same. Well, not knowing exactly what he should do, the boy's father told Eugene to get his mother, but not to say anything about the lady. A few moments later, Eugene returned with his mother. Joseph had also stepped outside again to see the wondrous lady, and was excitedly repeating, Oh, how beautiful she is! Well, somewhat bewildered, the mother tried to shush him, pointing, and Eugene asked his mother if she could see the beautiful lady and was told that she saw nothing at all. Both brothers excitedly described her and even what she was wearing. Well, this puzzled her because the boys never lied. She and her husband exchanged looks, and being very religious, she remarked that well, maybe it was the Blessed Virgin, and maybe they should say five Hail Marys and five Our Fathers in her honor. Well, now the neighboring houses were situated, as I said, very close together, and the excited sounds of the two boys carried, so that they had a few neighbors who were stepping out to see what was happening and what the boys were looking at. Their father tried to brush them off by saying nothing at all, but their mother added that they were foolish and, and thought they saw the Blessed Mother, and then she closed the barn door, and the family prayed the five Hail Marys and the five Our Fathers, and when they were finished, the boys were told to go out and see if the lady was still there. Well, the children stepped outside and immediately returned and were very excited as they said, she's still there. Then she adjusted her glasses, the mother, and, and looked for herself, and seeing nothing, told the boys that they were both liars, and took them back to continue feeding the horses. A few minutes later, the boys were back outside, and the beautiful lady was now smiling at them as their parents dragged them home for dinner. As soon as they finished, the boys ran to check on the apparition and immediately ran home saying that she was still there and was very beautiful. The boys remarked that she was about the same size as Sister Vidaline, one of the local nuns. This gave their mother an idea. She would get the nuns to see what was going on and hurried down the street to the convent where she summoned Sister Vidaline to go with her back to the barn area. Eugene pointed to where they had seen the beautiful lady, and, and the sister said that she saw nothing at all. The lady was no longer there, and sister returned toward the convent when she saw two little girls whom she knew, who were nine and eleven years old, and asked them to accompany her back to the barn area. Arriving back, without an explanation, she asked them what they saw. 
Well, they ran to where the boys were standing and looking around, and then they looked up, and, and both were excited and said, A beautiful lady. She has a beautiful blue dress with golden stars, and they described her exactly as the boys had done. She had returned. About that time, Sister Vidaline and the other nuns arrived, and they saw nothing, but remarked that since only the children were seeing her, Perhaps it would be a good idea to get several more children to see what they saw. And maybe it would be a good idea to get some that are much younger, random children by choice. Well, someone had sought out the pastor and told him there was an apparition, and only the children were seeing it. Excitedly, he left with the nuns and headed for the barn. On the way, they met one of the townspeople who had with her her six-year-old child, and she was encouraged to join them back, bringing the youngster with her. Several other children joined with the sister, and the group headed for where a small crowd was beginning to assemble near the barn. As they started, sister had the little group commence praying the rosary as they continued on their way. As they approached the barn area, one of the nuns asked if the lady was still there, and the answer was an excited yes, to which sister asked one of the children if he saw the lady, and he excitedly said yes. When asked to describe how she looked, his answer was the very same as the others. Well, now, it so happens that the Local bootmaker and his wife were parents of a little girl barely over the age of two. The mother had been curious of the little crowd that had been gathering at the barn, so she wandered over with her child to see what was happening. As they approached the group, the two-year-old became very excited and started waving her hands toward where the beautiful lady was appearing. Her mother tried to turn her away and distract the child, but the youngster would not take her eyes away from where the lady was supposedly standing. The crowd now had grown to perhaps fifty people. And about this time, young Eugene cried out, She's starting to look sad, and all the children agreed. The priest had everyone kneel in prayer, and one of the nuns started the rosary. One of the children remarked that the lady was now twice the size of Sister Vidaline, and the number of stars on her dress appeared to increase. Something else started to happen. There were letters forming beneath the beautiful lady's feet. As the letters were slowly forming, one of the townspeople came running with the tragic news that the Prussians were now at the gates of Laval, just a short distance away, and that they must pray. Now, what was strange was this terrible news about the Prussians approaching should have thrown the group into a panic, but instead they started to pray quietly, and the letters beneath the lady spelled out the words, But pray, my children. By now it was around 7.30 in the evening, and the size of the group was now about 60 people. The children seemed enraptured by the lady as the crowd began several litanies, and then one of the children read aloud the words that were now appearing beneath where she stood. God will hear you in a short time. And this was followed by a golden period that the children described to be as bright as the sun, and the lady was now smiling. 
The children began jumping up and down joyously, saying, Look, she's smiling now. And the group sang several Marian hymns, and then more letters appeared, and one of the children pronounced the words as they appeared. My son permits himself to be moved. Again, the letters were in glistening gold. The priest had the group sing another hymn to the Blessed Mother, and as the group sang, the Blessed Mother lifted her hands as though she were directing a choir, and now she was smiling. The entire message now appeared together. But pray, my children, God will hear you in a short time. My son permits himself to be moved. The children started jumping up and down with great excitement, saying, Look, she's laughing. And another child's voice rang out, Oh, how beautiful she is, how beautiful she is. Now, the crowd was both laughing and crying, and then as the hymns the townspeople were singing came to an end, the message on gold faded from view. And then a huge cross in red appeared in front of the beautiful lady, and she took the crucifix and held it toward the children as though she was presenting it to them. At the top of the cross in large red letters was the name Jesus Christ. Well, the crowd was silent as a small cross appeared on each of the lady's shoulders, and she was smiling. It was now about 8.30 p.m. The priest had everyone kneel again in prayer as the lady's image slowly began to fade as though covered with a veil until the children announced that she was gone. It was now a quarter till nine. Everyone now believed the children, and people from all the surrounding villages came to pay homage, even from a neighboring diocese. Many came out of curiosity, unbelieving, but left believers. While the children of Pontmain were wrapped in the comforting smile of the beautiful lady in Pontmain, others were not so happy. Things were not going well for France. 80,000 French soldiers were in prison, and the army was so desperate for soldiers that children were being drafted, and on this night of nights, Paris itself was under siege, and the very future of France was threatened, and the enemy was at the edge of the neighboring town of Laval. But a promise had been made, God will hear you in a short time, and she kept her word. Late that night, the general of the Prussian army, who, who was about to invade Laval, received word from his commander not to attack and take the city. The general reported to have said, We cannot go further. There is an invisible Madonna barring the way. And less than a week later, an armistice was signed. And the citizens of Pontmain remembered the words, God will soon grant your request. Well, of course, the pilgrimages started coming to Port Maine, and investigations of the apparition were in depth. The children all received intense questioning of what they had seen and heard, and finally in February of the following year, the local bishop issued a pastoral letter giving a canonical judgment on the apparitions and the veneration of Our Lady of Hope at Pontmain was given official church recognition and approval. A final papal honor was given to Our Lady of Hope in July of 1932 by Cardinal Pacelli 
who was to become Pope Pius XII. There was a great lesson to be learned from Our Lady of Hope. When life and our surroundings seem hopeless and we're faced with despair, we have a friend on high who is waiting for our prayers and is really only a prayer away. This is Tom Shrewsbury with Reflections for the Covenant Network.